So on today's show, I had the opportunity to visit with Gary Rapp and Rolana Abraham Miller. They were two brokers here in my office that uh, just completed a uh, lawn care business acquisition. And so we learned a lot. I mean, this company was uh, an extremely profitable, well-run lawn care business here in Indianapolis. And they're going to tell us the story of how they completed the transaction, what they learned. And, and if you happen to be in this type of business or you're thinking about being in this type of business, there's an awful lot of valuable nuggets that they shared. So enjoy my conversation with Gary Rapp and Verlana Miller. Please welcome. Please welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable, learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now here's your host, Ed Misogland. So I'm here today with uh, Gary Rapp of Indiana Business Advisors and Rolana Miller of Indiana Business Advisors. So recently, uh, Gary transacted a uh, or sold a, a lawn company that uh, focused on topical solutions, and it's been around for quite some time. So, Gary, welcome to the show. Tell us uh, a little bit about your deal. Yeah, um, the seller came to us at the end of the season, of 2019, actually. It was November 11th, to be exact. And, uh, you know, he, he was 65 years old, and he was at the point that he says, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of doing this. Got a great business. I wonder if anybody would be interested in buying it. So he had talked to a CPA and he recommended him to come to Indiana Business Advisors to see how we'd go about confidentially marketing their company. And um, he took it back and thought about it for about a week. And he says, hey, sounds like I'd like I'd want something I'd like to do. And uh, he had a, basically we wanted us to sell it for, before the spring season started. That was our goal. Is because. Uh, oh, that's a, that's a pretty aggressive uh yeah, because I I mentioned to him that you know typically it takes you know a business of his size it takes anywhere between six months to a year to sell it. So, um, but he gave us the challenge to sell it before the spring season started, and uh, by um, January thirty first, we actually had a transaction closed. Tell me about the business. How big was it? It was six employees and generated uh, roughly four hundred fifty thousand per year with a cash flow of one hundred twenty five thousand. Wow. And so going into the transaction, did you recognize any particular risk that you were going to have to overcome? I mean, was he, was he the business? Actually, um, the owner actually, he was the leader of the company. He wasn't the one that actually did the work in the field. He was the one that actually did quotes uh, when his internal um, manager was got behind. He would jump in or if one of his guys had a breakdown in the field, he would go out and assist in the field. So he was a little more of an overlay. Yeah. So, so all the intellectual capital of the business was spread out amongst the employees. So you think that made it easier to sell? It did. So when that seller was talking to you, I mean, what, what drove the sale? Was it, was it price? Was it the right person? Was it time? What was the, the catalyst behind it? Actually, when the, uh, the seller, he had a realistic expectation of what his business is worth. How did uh, we do on that? Did we do okay? We did. We actually sold probably about 8% higher than what his expectation was. Nice. And uh, the, the key selling point to this business is he had um, a large um, a recurring revenue every year uh, from a customer base. Uh, he, he typically had a, about 900 to 950 recurring customers every year, year over year. Out of how many? 
out of t- about 1,200 lawns he serviced oh, wow. a year. So it's about three-fourths of his business was a repeat business. And a lot of it, um, he gave a basically discount going into the year if somebody prepays. So it gave him plenty of cash flow going into the year to, to ramp up for the season. Wow. And it, is that, that's standard in the, in the industry, isn't it? The, uh, typically, yes. Um, so was his recurring revenue higher or lower or no idea when compared to other competitors within the community? It was um, maybe a little higher than what his competition would do. Nice. But his average um, treatment was about 15% higher than his nearest competitor. Wow. So he, but he, he did, his guys were the, the quality of work and also um, the level of service and service after the sale. So if a customer had a problem, they were on it. Yeah. Uh, so his customers wanted the quality and the service level versus price. And superior service or product, you know, warrants a, a premium. So does the business seller feel that uh, they got a premium? You know, I know you, you walked out and you said, you know, everybody's happy. I mean, were they like truly happy or, you know, boy, I'm glad this monkey's off, off my back. He was very happy. Yeah. He gave me a hug on the way out of the office when we, after we closed. So <laughs> he was, he was very happy. Was, I think he relates it to uh, when his daughter got married, you know, nice. he'd raised this thing to a certain level and it's ready for him to go into the next chapter of his life. And someone to take the baby they'd grown and take it to the next. Yeah. Take it to the next level. Yep. As we look at other companies, I mean, what, what did we learn f- from this particular transaction that, that other sellers of topical, um, service, what, if they're listening to this, what, what do they need to do to prepare their company for sale that they can have a optimal exit like this guy? Well, there, there's several things that, um, David did right. The, the seller did right. Um, and he wasn't, you know, two years ago, he didn't know he was selling his business this year, but he was doing the right things by preparing his financials, um, taking some of the discretionary expenses that he was, um, running through the business. He was, he was keeping track of those along with um, taking a lot of the day-to-day recurring tasks in the business and enabling his employees to do those tasks because he knew if he, when he goes to transition the business, um, it would be easier for him to transition because all the knowledge is within his team, not just in his head. Right. Okay. And additionally, well, he did some research about, um, you know, what, what multiple he could get based on cash flow of the business and, uh, he had a realistic expectation on the sale of business. Um, nice. So. nice. All right. So, so what I heard is recognize the, the value, uh, financial statements were, were prepared. And lastly, that, uh, you know, he was an informed seller on what the process was. That's right. Yep. All right. Well, let's move over to the buy side. All right. Thanks, Ed. So Rolana, welcome. Thank you. So, Tell us about your buyer. What made your your buyer look at a business like this? Well, he um, he actually had a background, had owned a prior business like this several years ago. What made him get out? Um, well, I think he was fairly young, family man, oh, yeah. and you know went into the corporate world and has a, but he has a long range plan, and it starts with acquiring another business similar to what he had before. Um, and going from there. So he had so, the, he had the, the background to, to walk in and, and yes. let her rip. Yeah. And he had a plan. Um, he knew what he was looking for. So he actually came, uh, initially to me about over a year ago to look at another lawn and landscaping company that I had. And one of his biggest requirements was, um, he was looking for a specific, you know, a business where quality and that 
you know, the, the product and the service and maybe, you know, the price was at a premium. Yeah. Um, but yet, you know, that's what he was looking for specifically. It was very much a culture that he was looking for. Did geography play? And I, I don't know from our conversation, I mean, from a geographic mm-hmm. service standpoint, was it an affluent community that they could, obviously if they're getting that kind of premium, it must be an affluent community, right? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. And that, that was kind of what he was looking for. And the first business that he looked at, um, it fit the culture that he was looking for, but it didn't quite fit that service mix that he wanted. Um, and it fit the financial requirements that he had that he was looking specifically for. Um, so he, he took a pass on that one. I looked at a couple other things that we had, um, but nothing was ever really quite the right fit until, um, you know, Gary and Larry had listed this business. I see. And then once, you know, once he looked at that, oddly enough, he actually knew the seller from many, many years ago. Oh, wow. So, so what were some of the, the questions that he had for the seller that helped him identify that this was the right opportunity? Um, I mean, anything, anything stand out that as the buyer, the buyer is assessing risk to themselves. So how did they, or how did he look at this business and where did he perceive the risks were, if at all? Oh, I think, um, um, employee retention, I think was one of his hot button points. And we were able to, you know, alleviate that. Yeah. How did you alleviate it? Um, well, in this particular situation, it was a little unusual. I think in, in most deals with this type of a business, they don't necessarily meet the owners like right away. People don't realize that, but they don't, you have to keep confidentiality with the business and protect the business while you're trying to sell it. So buyers have to understand they can't just talk to the employees. So I think we mitigated that risk by accomplishing everything else first. And then he was able to speak to the employees and, and, you know, establish a rapport with them and know that, you know, there's a future there. They're going to stay. Nice. So what are the risks? Um, let me see. What's another one, Gary, that you can think of that, that we had to overcome with him? Well, I know there's always a, a equipment, you know, the quality of equipment that you have to, to consider. Uh, yes. And in this particular case, I think we didn't, that really didn't become an issue. He was, the advantage of him being from the industry, he had an understanding of the equipment that uh, was used. Yeah. And, you know, the seller, you know, their equipment is in excellent condition and, you know. Yeah. So from a, from a financing standpoint, was this a bank financed, SBA financed, or somebody just wrote a check? No, I think uh, this particular buyer had um, some other savings and some other investments he was able to take advantage of for the bulk of it. Um, And he was a very sophisticated buyer, so he was prepared. When you say sophisticated, what what does that mean? Um, that That means that not only was he prepared for that purchase price, but he also was prepared to make sure that he had working capital. I see in place and you know would have the resources he needed to set up like he's already um engaged someone to do some technological changes to the business i'm curious what does that mean i know i'm putting you on the spot oh that's okay (laughs) that's okay but the um the seller was more old school so a lot of things you know there was not really any uh, you know digital marketing per se other than maybe the website so he's got plans to expand that plans to you know get the get the business into a, a more robust CRM system, that kind of thing. Sure. So he's already working nice. on that right off the bat. So is 
there's always the fear of, of losing customers. How did the buyer mitigate that particular risk? I mean, you know, you, so you have 900 that are, that are on a recurring revenue, which, which warrants a premium. How do you keep that, that premium or make that premium make sense post-sale? Well, I think the the seller's involvement is going to be key there, and he's going to be very involved in these first days with oh. introductions. They also have had, there were uh, one or two key accounts that were addressed ahead of time. What And so. when you say key accounts, what does that mean? Did they have like corporate accounts or something? Um, well, some of them are corporate accounts. It's kind of hard to describe. I'm going to let Gary actually cover that one because okay. he's a little more. So what, yeah, what's a, what's a key account? There, there's some key accounts where he, he, he serviced uh, some, some basic commercial um, landscapes, if you will, like a, a church, um, some corporate buildings where they paid, if he serviced it all year, if they paid, based in this case, cash in advance, mm-hmm. um, they would service the account throughout the year for a, a set price. I see. And that's, that was one of the keys of this business is that recurring revenue. Sure. He's had these accounts a long time. And one of the things as we did the LOI was this assuming these top three accounts, which only made up about 10% of the revenue. Um, they signed the agreement to be able to, in 2020 to be able to um, get the, get those agreements in place before we closed. Oh, I see. So the, the key accounts, so we're, we're talking the, the 10% of, of revenue as opposed to, you know, going to visit 1200 people because I, as a guy that uh, that has a a service, I'm like I I don't care who does it as long as they they do it. So I was, that's what I was the the purpose of the question. Yeah, well, one of the beauties of this business was um, the people that provide the service they had their own accounts um, oh. assigned to them. Yeah, so they, so they nice. they would all show up in the same type of van with the same markings, and they all the guys dressed the same, yeah. but they knew Jimmy, Bobby, and Joe. You know, they knew the people. Uh, that that service of the same guys and you know it's and, funny you say that because uh, the service before us the reason we left was for that reason that our guy left I mean he knew he knew my dog and my he let my dog jump all over him and all the all the the fun there yeah it's right. it's the it's the small things yeah yeah totally get it and it, I, you know going back to the the price I can't overemphasize the price when we went to market with it um, if we would overpriced it uh, we wouldn't have gotten um Rolanda's buyer plus we had another buyer so we had we, we were in a competitive situation so we priced it right the marketplace um the, the actually buyer got it i mean the seller got to um choose which buyer he wanted, yeah, wanted that's, a, so. that's a good spot to be yeah and all this happened during the christmas holiday too so every, everybody was on point so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah so, so yeah, when we look when we when we look at the the deal, I mean, how did you warrant the the premium? I mean, because I I guess you could look at it from the standpoint of look, we got seventy percent of our our revenue is recurring. You know, that's a that's a that's enough to get somebody's attention. But to get the premium, I, I have to assume you did something special to warrant these two to pay that kind of premium. You know, once again, he, he had a business that was a business, not, not the owner, yeah. the owners. Yeah, I guess you're was, right. It was, it was the, the key he had, the, he had employees doing the work. Uh, additionally, um, there were the way that the deal was structured is that, uh, the seller actually took, carried part of the note, um, 
only about 20% of the note of the, of the sale price. So and why did, why did they do that? I think for a couple of things um, is one is the buyer wanted the seller have a little skin in the game. Um, there was a transition period, which is probably only going to take about 30 days, but you know, it's, it's a seasonal business. So, you know, what happens in the fall and the winter and also preparing for all the marketing for next spring of 2021 you know, hey, what did you what did you do? Because he did a lot of that part of the business. Oh yeah, and uh, so you know, he just wanted to be have a little skin left in the game. So if, if uh, this buyer called the seller, he'd pick it up because yeah. he still has a little. You know, within three years, I mean, okay. you're either going to know it or not. So so you, so you got a three year note. We got a three year note. Yep. Got it. And uh, we the we have the seller. He did a personal guarantee. So well, that that should make the buyer. Yeah the buyer's personal guarantees should probably, especially since there's no conventional debt standing in the way. I mean, then uh, his personal guarantee certainly means something. So what else can we tell prospective business sellers about what they should expect when selling a company like this? This is for both of you. Yeah, I think um, if you're this, this gentleman, we see it a lot of the baby boom generation there. They've had a company for several years and it's provided well for their family. And um, don't wait till it's too late. The next year, company yeah. enjoy life. He's our seller was sixty five. His kids have grown up out of college, and him and his wife are empty nesters, and they want to start doing some traveling and doing some things together. Yeah, why they have their health. Um, so this is the, you know they they wanted to exit on their terms versus you don't know what the future is going to hold from the economy and right. um, it's his balance sheet. It was like a you know, continue to grow year over year, not substantially, but he had a good path. Sure. So he positions business well to sell. If if I'm a a prospective seller now, do I wait till the season's over? It seemed timing played a, a critical role in the success of this sale. Is that the case? Someone should now, if you're thinking about selling, you know what, run the year and come visit us in the fall. Yeah. If you're if you're thinking about selling your business and you're in the lawn care business, you want to sell it. Um, the this is the time that the window is during the off peak time. Yeah. Uh, but you need to be thinking about what you need to do to sell your business now, because during the summer months, when you're out there, you know, all hands on deck, you're not going to have time to think about all the details you have to do to prepare your business. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be good to talk to your advisor about how to prepare my business for sale, because the people that are looking to buy a business uh, are trying to look into buy during the off season as well. So they're going to start looking in November, December, what's available and it's going to take them 30 to 60 days to close. And you want to close before the se- yeah, before February yeah. 15th, before right. the season picks up because you're doing all your pre-planning for the market. Right. Um, for the season. So I get it. Yeah. So, okay. Orlando, what, what are your, what are your uh, parting suggestions for, for prospective sellers? Ha- having now worked with the, a buyer that has acquired, what, can, what advice can you give sellers and buyers for that matter? Um, I think a couple of things. One, he touched on something with the the note component and being willing to have skin in the game. It's important in this industry for a buyer to know they're going to have that support. Um, and also, I think that was a way to get the price up, you know, to you know, to get more of that premium that the seller wanted. Yeah, I mean, eighty percent cash is is. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a, a a good way to roll. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the buyer situation that I found myself in with this buyer is, um, it speaks to the being on the market in a timely manner, you know, being on the market by the fall, 
Um, and it may not be the first buyer, just like it's with my buyer. It wasn't the first business he looked at. It was probably the fourth or fifth, but it might not be that first buyer. So just be, you know, be prepared, be ready, like Gary said, and be ready to hit the market. Um, because that buyer also, you know, they're going to have to be in place before the peak season so that they can hit the ground running. Got it. Well, Gary, Rolana, I certainly appreciate all of your time today. and uh, You are welcome. Thanks, Ed. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value Podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.